Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Greetings, one and all. A little continuation of our September series. You are listening to episode 192 of the Howie Games, part A, featuring the big man from Melbourne Football Club, Max Gorn. Here we go. Look at Big Max. Have a look at this. Another one for the Demons. It's Max Gorn. Big Maxie sticks it through. No problem at all, Big Maxie. Big Maxie is a beauty, a man that rolls to the beat of his own drum and has learned that rolling to the beat of your own drum is pretty much the only way to roll. Max is one of those great people that just brings joy to people. He takes footy seriously, but he can laugh at life. He can laugh at himself. He can laugh at you. And let's be honest, breaking a 57-year premiership drought for your football club, Melbourne, that brings a fair bit of joy as well. So you search and try to find But you don't know where to go So many thoughts flood through your mind You're confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by Max comes to us courtesy of the lovely folk at Pepper Jack Wines. Pepper Jack recently introduced the mid-strength varietal of Australia's number one Shiraz. Maxie will explain more. He's the guru. But the Pepper Jack Shiraz is also number one for value in the entire country. Rightio, let's get to it with Max Gorn, the drought breaker. So when you search and then you find know just where to go and thoughts that once used to cloud your mind you see clearly and now you know mystery what is to be revealed in king selassie i come on children try it with me we want to reach mount zion well this is exciting because the drought breaker has wandered in the melbourne premiership captain he is a man of many talents he's got a smile on his face Maxie Gorn, welcome to the Howie Games. How are you going? Thank you for having me, Howie. I'm good. I've got a lot to talk to you about. Okay. Um, especially business, a little yep. business to get things underway. Um, you are here because you love the show. Yep. But you're also here because of Pepper Jack Wines. Yep, the first, obviously loving the show. Yes. Yep. Actually, I drove up from Blair Gary this morning um, and listened to the Matthew Keenan Oh, well, you love yeah. your Tour de France, yes. don't you? What yes. did you... Th- now, see, this Big is... Big Kino fan as well. I don't know if you have guys you train with and you think, wow, they work harder than me, but yeah. I sat across from Matthew Keenan <laughs> and he rolled me through what he did for the Tour de France and I compared it what I do to a game of footy or a game of cricket and I came away feeling quite inadequate, Maxie. Yeah, yeah I, I sort of got that sense from, <laughs> from, from listening. Uh, the, his ability to name a rider from looking at them with no even number, just recognition of what their helmet looks like or something is phenomenal. Why the Tour de France to you? Because you, 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 you don't see your typical 200 plus centimetres on the bike, but you're right into the Tour, aren't you? Right into it. Uh, a couple of knee recos when I was a young, young, young boy. Yep. Got me on the bike, um, listening to Phil Liggett, put me to sleep for three or four years as a young tucker. Um, and then, yeah, now I love the sport. Have you listened to his episode on this show? You need to go back. Bills, and, yeah. yeah. He, he talks about being a, an elephant keeper and a very, yeah. very – so who's your if – you, if, you, if you want to watch one cyclist, who is it? Uh, there's there's two at the moment okay. that go head-to-head, Van yeah. Art and Van der Poel. Right. Um, they're sort of – yeah, they're sort of the Petraka, Bontempelli combo <laughs> at the moment. Like, they're pretty good to watch. 
I was a massive Lance man. Yeah. I was in a studio across the road from here with Wayne Carey doing Dead Set Legends. My wife often pulls me up on this maxi because I like to see the good in people. Yeah. So I'm like, I always say to her, nah, that person won't have done that or that can't be true. And she reminds me that two minutes before Lance went on Oprah, I was saying, no, I think he's completely innocent. <laughs> and then it was, have you taken this? Yes. Have you taken this? Yes. Have you ta- oh, it's nice to see the nice side of people, though. Well, we still don't know if Lance hasn't he come out and denied it a well, couple of times again. He oh, has. Yeah. He yeah. has. That's and a rabbit hole we're not going to go down. Yeah, no, we, we won't yeah. go down that rabbit hole. Um, we're going to talk business, though, because yes. you've been involved in various businesses that fascinate me before we get to footy. But you're here with Pepper Jack Wines. They've got the mid-strength out. Um, before you tell me about the wine, how do you decide who you think you're going to align yourself with? and who you're not going to align yourself with because I'm sure as the drought breaker, which we'll get to and people think, why is he calling him the drought breaker? I'm sure a lot comes across your desk. Yeah, some things come across your desk. Um, I've, got a, I've got a tattoo of a wine glass just on my wrist here. So. Did, you have to, did, did Pepper Jack have yeah, to the, pay extra <laughs> to get that on there? That's the mid-strength Shiraz right there. <laughs> that's commitment to the sponsor. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, look, I, I passion pieces. Um, uh, things I'm int- in- interested in, and Pepper Jack's right up, right up there. Um, I've obviously got a couple of wine bars myself. Um, wine's not my greatest strength, but I'm learning. And what a better way to learn than align yourself with probably Australia's best Shiraz. So, so why? Tell, tell me about this wine. Why, why do I need to go and buy it? Uh, Top notch drops that Australia loves. Number one Shiraz and red wine for value in the country, according here to the brand information, Maxi. Well, mid strengths are on trend in right. um, in uh, in alcohol in general. Um, and then if you can manage to get a mid strength wine that actually still tastes like the proper Shiraz, well, it's a no brainer, and this one does. It's, so it's like a mid strength beer, but it's a mid strength wine. So if less I gave alcohol. you a blind testing right now of a mid strength Shiraz and gave you the, the full strength Shiraz, right, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, and, that's nice. And you could probably go through the whole the whole the whole bottle of the mid strength. Right. <laughs> that's just what I need over yep. a nice steak. You, you mentioned the wine bar. I, there's there's very well there's there's stories about you. There's urban legends. I I, I don't make too many notes. In fact, Tommy made these notes. I'll be okay. completely honest. He, he said at the start, I want to talk to you about your businesses. He said Max had a table building business. Yes. That was fun. <laughs> Tell me about that. How did you get into building tables? Uh, I, long story short, I've always wanted to be in hospitality. Um, my mum's my hero. Like I've copied her in every sense of the word. Like What's I, your mum's name? Sandra. Right. Um, and she's been in hospitality for years. So I'm not sure what your parents are like, but you sort of want to copy your parents when you're growing up. Like, well, looking back, I was, I'm just literally a clone of my mum my and my dad, which is a thing now I'm knowing now I'm a dad. But Your mum doesn't have the beard. Yeah, mum doesn't have the beard. She is tall though. Right. Um, and so all I wanted to do was do what mum did. Um, so hospitality was something I really was keen on. And over my studies of where I wanted to go in hospitality, I'd go to a lot of venues and I fell in love with the tables at the venues. Of course you did. I was looking. I was like it's some, a rather obtuse eye. Yeah. There was just, you have a latte at a cafe and I'm sitting on the feature table. There's always, you know, the big feature table. I'm like, this is a nice table. And then you just work work around how good the markups are in the table industry. Oh, then you start to think profit margins. <laughs> like, okay, this could be where I start. <laughs> so who, who did you get into the table building business with and what did you know about it? I had a couple of tradie teammates. Right. Uh, Matt Jones and Max King. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they were both trade backgrounds. Uh, so I didn't have a trade background. Uh, so I was learning as I went. The biscuit joining of a, of a table is quite interesting. What's a biscuit join? Uh, that's how you stick two planks of wood together. Okay. Um, 
But it was fun. We sold a lot of tables. Did and you? we And we closed the doors because we were way too busy. Inundated. Yeah, I think one thing, what's it called when, you, uh, when your prices are a lot lower than your competition? Uh, price gouging. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if the competition were happy, but that oh. then... So we didn't realise how expensive we should be selling nice custom okay. tables. Because so they were nice. It was nice Timbo. We were putting in a fair bit of effort. We, were you physically... Yeah, and we are physically doing it in my dad's warehouse. Right. Where does one source wood for a table? Uh, multiple places. Um, the cheap option is Bunnings. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, that's definitely the cheap <laughs> option. Then there's like Timber Yards. Um, people love stories behind their timber. So if you get a knockdown bridge or something like that, we didn't knock down the bridge. But, right. Hard, uh, hard to hard to manufacture a story about the wood you got from Bunnings. Yeah, or F- F-17, which is the basically construction timber. That's right. a, that's hard to sell. Um, <laughs> and those of a fine eye can work out if it's F-17 pretty quickly. Um, but we, we build tables uh, for the football club, for... Um, Billy Slater, Billy Slater got a, he, and, and they're all still standing, which is great. Okay. Um, Bernie Vince's isn't. We, what? We built him a coffee table and that broke. Right. Probably so, known Bernie Vince, he was standing on potentially. a party. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned profit margins. Tell me, like, what, what was your markup? What was, what was the average, uh, table being marked up by and what were you blokes marking up well, we'd by? We'd only sort of make a table for like 500 bucks. Right. And sell it for double. Right. Which we think is like the best thing ever. So there's a bigger markup than that in the table industry? You go into a custom furniture table, which are better, sorry, we're the worst table makers ever. Well, so better work right. and better looking timber. You could, you could, you'd be paying 20 large for it. Wow. Yeah. It's good markups. Yeah, so we, we definitely went unders. Okay, okay. So that's a table making business. Uh, uh, Jaffles. Yes, uh, I didn't know about this. Tommy told me about this. A food truck selling jaffles. Yeah, I finally got into hospital with the jaffles. Right. Um, I've come across a Ford F100, which I really, it just was looking at me going, you need to do something with this. Yep. Um, so my one brother is a tradie and he built, uh, got the Ford F100 and built a whole food truck on the back. Yeah. Um, and the other brother is into hosp- is a uh, hospitality nerd. So sounds like you're a good uh, manager. You sort of get of the talented <laughs> people around you, Maxi. So um, that was a big project. Uh, in the end, I think I enjoyed the project more than actually running the jaffle truck. The so food truck was- industry is a bit of a uh, moving around logistics permits. There's a lot going on. So so do you do you go to festivals or do you go down to St Kilda Foreshore? How's it work? Went to a festival actually called Lemonade Festival. Oh yeah, uh, which is the one and hasn't come back. Uh, it was the last festival before COVID. Okay, um, where and, was it? Uh, in Sale. Oh Sale! Yeah, I so, went to school in Sale. So we took the food truck down there, um, and I obviously wasn't working, but I got to enjoy the festival uh, while I was there. Hilltop Hoods and Safia were there, so two really good. Artists. Where in sale? There was 400 people, oh. almost less. Like I was sitting on a, on a deck chair five metres away from Hilltop Hoods. I'm like, are they sitting there going, this is the worst thing we've oh, done? I thought you were going to say there was 35,000 Woodstock uh, no, we style. Sold, we sold six, six jaffles, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fun day, though. I had a fun day. So tell me, what, what uh, what's the key to a good jaffle for a man in the hospitality? What is it sort of baked beans and cheese or what are you doing? Or Any, pineapple and ham? The good thing about a jaffle is you can literally put anything okay. in a jaffle. Um, just lots of cheese you, and then butter on the outside. They're not healthy. Um, so I, so long story short, we eventually, um, me and my brother part of ways and now he's got the, um, the comp, the company. So I'm no longer part of it, but it's still there. You can still get a jaffle. Is he just running one truck? Uh, the truck's parked. 
Ah, so he's got he's got a store now. Ah. Yeah, so moving on to bigger and better things. Where's it? Where? Say, if we want Vale. Scott Vale. What's yeah. it called? Uh, the Bitter Jeffel still. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then the East End Wine Bar, which yes. is a current concern. Yep. So is this sort of a, a a sort of dark, quiet, sort of smoky without the smoky jazz music, like a wine bar set up? What, what is it? Yeah, what, not, what is it? Not far from that uh, ex- that explanation. Um, this was my first dive into a big scale hospitality. Was there some concern going in? Like you've obviously got to outlay money and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there is, um, in 2018 or 19 when I did it, uh, it's coming up five years, which in hospitality world is if you make five years, you you, you can make a hundred years. It's just that first five years is such a big five, five, five years to make. So, um, we're pretty proud of how we've managed to get there through COVID as well. Um, but yeah, like I said at the start, wine's not my strength. It's becoming my strength. Like I'm slowly learning. Um, I've got two great business partners that both call themselves sommeliers. They're not, but they're right up. They're right up there. Um, but hospitality is. So it's something I really wanted to be hands on with. There's a lot of, especially, footballers that would get involved in hospital and probably not do a a thing. Um, something I wanted to do was really be hands hands on in the first twelve months um, to upskill myself for whenever uh, my career finishes. Yeah, right. That could be something I get into. Um, I don't really lift a finger at that place too much now. Do you go in there, shake go hands, in there. kiss babies? Yeah, that seems like my – I feel like um, I can collect my check if I go in yeah, and kiss a baby man. every now and then. Um, and we have a lot of functions there. Um, the football club go there post-games post, post, post games a lot. Um, is there food? Yeah, food, pizzas. Um, and it really is a, just a nice staple of Camberwell now. I've, I've, I really feel like it's, it's, it's there for a while now. Um, and it's fun. It's – been brought in some beautiful pepper jack mid strength. Does, does this get a run in the? I haven't wine got the bar? midi there yet. Okay. Yeah. I, to be fair, most people who come to a wine bar aren't looking for a midi, but okay. Um, the fact that they can't tell the difference, potentially. Do you sell any beer in there? Yeah, there is. There's beer on tap. We talked about all your businesses. I, yeah. I've recently okay. gone way out yeah. with my wife. We've invested in a brewery. Okay. I don't know a great deal about beer. Do you know anything about beer? I unfortunately. Not the the word like the world that you're entering, right? Is like I know Carlton Draft. Yes, well, Max, but I don't know the seven different parallels that come with well, it. No, I have for you from the Bowen Heads Brewing Company. Okay, some Japanese lager. Well, now, lager. I am a lager man, so that's good. So we've got four varieties, but the amount of things I don't know about brewery and making beer is quite extraordinary. But I, what I tell you, you, you put that. In your wine bar, and you, I think it'll walk out the door. What makes it Japanese? Well, it, it's based on like an Asahi style product, okay. Okay. and it's got to do with the grains. And now you're starting to ask me questions, <laughs> Max. You're like, oh, I'm a bit of the front man like you. Yeah, but to be fair, I'm only asking about the title. <laughs> I feel like you should nail that. <laughs> it's similar to an Asahi style okay. product, okay. Okay. is what I'm telling you. That's what I you've been trained you want, to say. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to talk grains or something, yeah. man. Anyway, I think you'll, oh, you'll enjoy that. Is there any other businesses? I've got one more, yeah. I'm just, what, what's your other one? I've opened a restaurant. A restaurant? Yeah. Okay, what's the restaurant? You're on fire, Max. Yeah, it's called Motor. Right, do you need a beer supplier in there? I'm seeing... That's got a tap as well. Okay, uh, we can put it on tap for you. Got, you got a tap? We got, got a tap, yeah, we got, got, got that, peaks. we got the draft, the pail, the mid. Okay, we'll talk. Okay, um, so what's your restaurant called? It's called Motor. Right. Uh, it's in Hawthorne, um, right up near sort of Rococo, up that top end of oh, Glenferry Road. Beautiful. What, uh, t- what type of cuisine? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd call it modern Australian in a way. Okay. But 
I mean, that can take you anywhere. Like, there's a pasta in the entrees. There's basically there's a nice steak. There's a nice chicken. They're both cooked with fire. Okay. And we've got a big fire oven out out oh. out, out the back. How long has this been running? Uh, this is late last year. And are you hands on, or are you again kissing you know, babies? Pre-opening the, the doors, I did a bit, right. and then doors have opened, and I did you build any of the tables? I kissed babies. Um, no, but I was able to offer some advice. So you're a man of many yeah, talents. I was able to offer a lot of advice on where the price should be. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's going well. That's a much bigger scale. So the wine bar, we're talking two people working a night, maybe three on a Friday. And what about the restaurant? Yeah, we got 15 staff maybe there on a Friday night. So And how, how involved do you get with um, uh, the finances and life of Bass Statements? I've run a company of Bass Statements for a bloody nightmare. Like, yeah. a, a, are you hands-on with the finances? Do you understand the, the, the numerical side of a business? I understand. I'm not hands-on, but I certainly un- understand. Um, it's something that, I, like I said at the start, I make sure that I'm upskilling myself in this because um, I didn't go to uni. I don't have a business degree. I yep. don't. I didn't do business at school. Um, so I'm learning as I go. Um, so I make sure I'm checking both my figures and then also the company figures fortnightly just to make sure huh. every, everything's going well. Um, obviously, I've staked a lot in these businesses as well. Yes. So from a personal point of view, I want to make sure that it's been handled well. And at this point, it is. So I have a business degree yep. in sports management. Okay. So this is what you missed out on. Yeah. 25 hours of backyard cricket a week, mm-hmm. learning to surf, and dollar pots. Okay, well. That, that's the full extent of like what I'm, you missed. Looks like I'm going to uni to do a sports yeah, exactly. degree because that sounds, like, sounds like a hoop. <laughs> it was. I didn't learn a great deal. I didn't, hey, we need, we need to get to footy. But do, do you do these things... Um, solely because something is ahead of you when you finish the game, which is very commendable, or so you are not all consumed with the game at the time? Uh, I actually think there's a there's a third option. Right. Um, I just feel like um, I've always been someone like very impulsive, um, slightly creative. I just like to do things. Um, and I don't see myself as pigeonholed as a footballer right now. It's very lucky that I have access to some, some nice money. Um, and I do have a profile. Um, but I feel like if I was not drafted, I'd be owning a cafe somewhere. Like it's just something that it was a passion piece. Yeah. Um, yes, it ticks those other two boxes as well. It keeps my mind off footy. Um, and also is setting myself up for post footy. Um, but certainly it's just a passion piece. It's just something that I really enjoy. So, um, yeah, I feel like it ticks all three of those boxes. Well, so we plugged, my brewery, we've plugged your restaurant, we've plugged your Jaffel Bar, we've plugged Pepper Jack Wines, and we've taken care of the tail business. It was nice to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. It was great, Maxie. I really enjoyed finding out a bit about you. Yes, yes. <laughs> we can do a few more if you want as well. <laughs> right. Now, your parents, uh, New Zealand. Yep. Did you spend time in New Zealand as a young fella? I did. Were I you born the, in Australia? Born in Australia. Right. A little bit of time before I was two. Um, go back for Christmases now. That's really it. So... Um, so where did you live in New Zealand? A place called Greymouth. Okay, where's that? Southwest coast of the right. South Island. Do you remember no, sorry, anything? northwest coast South Island. Were you too of, young? Uh, too young. And okay. I remember it now because I've gone for Christmas a lot. But um, it's named after what it looks like, Greymouth. It's not. It's not great. Um, <laughs> it's not a big tourist seller. No. Welcome to Greymouth. <laughs> well, it's the South Island's beautiful. Okay. There's places like we're we're an hour's drive from the glaciers, so it's like we're in a beautiful part of the world, but we're in like the city. It's kind of like when you think about 
I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Ballarat listeners, but like a lot of beautiful stuff around Ballarat, but the actual city? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, Greymouth. So a lot of, there's glaciers, there's mountain ranges, there's snow, there's ski, there's cycling, there's beautiful waters, there's Queenstown just down the road. What do you think they got it wrong and should have called it um, Glacier Valley or something? Yeah, something like that. But it still wouldn't have worked because it's where... I mean, it's 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 where the the industrial part of the place is. It's a, it's the it's a docking part of the uh, South Island, so um, it still wouldn't have really dressed it up. And it's grey all the time. So and so, are your parents moved you over here to to Melbourne? Yes, yeah, so mum, dad, both brothers, born in New Zealand, um, and then yeah, they came over uh, to a beautiful place in Frankston. So we've gone from. Greymouth to Frankston. Not sure if it was an upgrade. Um, born in Frankston Hospital. Mate, you've had a crack at Greymouth, Ballarat and Frankston. Yeah, my well, wife, I think we should have stopped with the sponsor part of the show. Yeah, my wife's from Ballarat, so I've got to be careful. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, grew up in Frankston until I was about 13, 14, uh, and then moved into town. McKinnon is where okay. I finished. But, yeah, parents are, are both Kiwi. Dad's mad rugby union. Uh, played a bit of rug- rugby union for a while there. Was a, I think he calls himself the captain of the South Island, um, but all the talents in the North Island, so he was never making it anyway. So Big man? <laughs> Big man. Played a tallish position um, in rugby union, the number eight, which is the back of the scrum. Yep. Um, and, yeah, he talks about rugby. All, all He's now thinks he's a very good at footy. Right. Um, very like an, an astute, astute. Astute? Astute, yeah. Astute eye. Can he kick um, the footy? I noticed like occasionally the clubs have the the dads and mums come down and compete yep. with, with their sons and daughters. Is, is it what's your dad like? Similar shape ball and number eights can kick, so okay. he had that. He had a little bit of that in him. Mum claims the running part. She was a cross country champion. I've never seen her run, um, but apparently she was a cross country champion. Um, and both brothers, uh, one played foot. Still does plays actually. Who does he play for? Get ready for this. He plays over 35s local Queensland foot, Does football. Does he? Yeah. What's his name? And apparently it's a packed competition. Is it? Yeah. What's Adam. his name? Adam. Is he big Adam Gorn? Is he a big fella or not? Uh, he's a full forward. Right. Uh, but he's 6'1", 6'2". Okay. Okay. Not 6'10". Is In fact, any... my whole family is the same height. They're all 6'1". Are they? Yeah. Is he any good? Uh, he can take a mark. And he can miss a goal from straight in front, which is very similar. This is a family trait. <laughs> it's very similar. It's a family trait. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's been playing local Queensland football for a good 15 years and loving it. Apparently, yeah. it's massive Queensland AFL at the moment. Right. Back to Max in a moment. Next up on the show, multiple surfing world champion Tyler Wright. Tyler's is a story about so much more than surfing, a story of which large parts have never been told before. You're in a psychological state and an environment where you don't have an answer. You don't know what your tomorrow is going to be like. And you obviously situationally end up in a very, again, situationally depressed, situationally like, I don't know if I can keep going environment because no one, everyone's saying that I'm lucky to be alive, but no one is helping me get like get anywhere. And I, I spent probably close to $100,000 on naturopathy, on on like these, so many different things, on trying to get answers of where, what, how, how come, because, and even for people to look at my brain and what that involved. And like I had a neurologist tell me that I had chronic migraines and that I'd never be able to work and surf again. That is Tyler Wright next up on the podcast. Let's get back to Max. You know what filled me with joy? Oh, at some stage earlier this year, I was doing a Melbourne game. I was out in the ground, 
And Christian Petrarca ran past as he's going out on the ground to get the, the warm up. And he said, oh, mate, love the podcast. And I was like, gee, that's a nice thing to say to someone. Yeah. Did you, um, did you like call his bluff and say which episode you did you like? <laughs> no, no. You say you reckon he was having me on. <laughs> no, no, I reckon he would listen. No, it was very kind of him. So you would know um, that my kids often ask questions of the guests. Yep. So you get, because we're talking about you as a young fella, you get Mac. Um, who well, he'll tell you his nickname, but this is what he's eleven. Um, yep. And I've got to give a shout out to his one of his crew, Elijah Kiwi, who you to Elijah Kiwi are a god. Okay. So before I Hello, play that, what, what's it like when the kids come up with stars in their eyes and and want to interact with you? Like this Elijah Kiwi chap who's tall, he wants to play in the ruck. Like if I he knew I was sitting with you here now, he, he would lose it. He loves you. Yeah, we sort. Uh, it's funny. My um, my demographic has changed a little bit over its time, um, but certainly zero to ten year olds seem to find me a big novelty. Right. Um, they like the beard. They like the height. And I think big maxis are fun thing to say. And yes. then I'm big in the over sixties as well. Okay. Um, Cosy's got probably the ten to eighteen year olds, and right. then Petraka's got everyone in between. 18, <laughs> He's 18, got 18, the rest 18, of 18 them, to does 60. He? Um, and then Jack Vine is everyone's second. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I do get a lot of young, young, young kids. Elijah seems 11, so he's probably going into the cosy no, uh, he's, world No, mate, soon. he's welded on to you. He's okay. welded. I, I'm, for whatever reason, over 60 women. Yep. Which is great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> be better if it was under 60, to be fair. Yeah, I've got the over 60 women, but and, and, and their husbands as well. Right. Okay. Now, you get Macca. Here we go, Maxie. Hey, Maxie, Big Penguin here. First off, great job on your footy season. I thought you had a really good one. Anyway, lately I've been thinking that my nickname is a bit weird. I'm called the Big Penguin, but I'm not actually that big, so yeah, I think it's a bit weird. Anyway, I know you have a nickname called Big Maxie, and I was wondering, do you like that nickname? And also, were you always super tall and quite muscly? He's giving you a pump up. There's a lot of questions in there as well. He's throwing the muscly in there. <laughs> muscly, yeah, that's... But, like, wherever you go, it's Big Max. It is Big Maxie. Wherever um, you go. Yeah. Big I, I think I've got JB to thank for that for a few of the early yep. Triple M calls. James Brayshaw, yep. Um, yeah, Big Penguin's an interesting one. He came up with it himself. Yep. Yep. I, uh, my brother tried to get Stretch going. For um, you? Yeah, for me. And then who's the uh, Adams Family one? Is it Lurch? Oh, yeah, Lurch. Yeah, that was... But that's not kind. No, that's not, that's not nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I haven't really got a nickname that's, that's stuck um, I think I just get called Max around the football club. But, but wherever else, it's Big it's Max. It's Big Maxie, Big yeah. Max. Uh, my dad's Gorny, so I can't have that. Right. Um, I got Doug Bollinger, so I get Dougie. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually good. I get Dougie a lot. You do look like Doug Bollinger. Yeah, and he's and he's actually now growing a beard. Have you met him? I've never met him. Oh, now. loose cannon. Is he? <laughs> loose cannon. Okay, well, maybe I can convince people that's why they call me Doug <laughs> right. rather than rather than the receding you hairline. Do, and he's the... a good-looking man, Doug <laughs> Okay, yep. He's a good-looking man. Yep. Um, so, footy. When does when does footy first come across you as a young like are you playing Oz kick? Like, there's a lot about you from when you got drafted and doing a knee, which we can talk about. But there's nothing about little Maxi um, playing footy. Yeah, no, no Oz kick. Um, I I think I was potentially going to go down the rugby path. Um, which is a hard thing to find in Frankston. Yes. Um, Nine-year-old so. rugby union, where is everyone? <laughs> you would have been good because you're the only bloke turning up. You could have been a star. You could have been a star. Um, you could have been the best rugby union player ever out correct, of Frankston. Correct. Um, 
So a footy, and eventually come for a school. So you'd find friends for a school when everyone's playing footy. So it wasn't far. Like, I didn't play Auskick, but I reckon I was there by under 11s and 10s and whatnot. Who so. was your team? Uh, Langwarren. Right. Um, uh, who are they, the what? Uh, Langwarren Kangaroos. In the Kangaroos colours? In the Kangaroos colours. Can you remember a first game for them? I can remember little under-9s, under ten stuff, but I certainly remember my last game for them. Um, in grade six, we moved to McKinnon, uh, which is a 45-minute drive from Langy. Um, but I was halfway through grade six, so I finished school in grade six. I didn't change year level for half a year before high school. So we kept doing the drive. Mum was the canteen lady, so it worked out beautifully. She just did her shift, I did my shift, and we drove back together. Lots of time. Probably watched my hero. We drive every day <laughs> I together. I love that for... your mum's your hero. That, that, that's, uh, that's nice. Um, so I had a lunch order every, every, every day. Like, just beautiful stuff. Sandwich four days, but then a pie the fifth day. On the, How good. On, on, on the Friday. Um, but the last game, so I was a full back. Um, and we were, were you tall? I was tall, but not the tallest. Um, but we were a really good team. So I didn't see much of the ball as a fullback. And my parents were a biting tongue type parents. They didn't know anything about footy. So they weren't the parents to go to the coach and say, my son, go see the footy. And nowadays it's changed where you're all changed positions oh, and whatnot. Yes. So, oh, But I was, yeah, I was stuck at fullback and didn't, and a, a bad kick. So I wasn't allowed to do kickouts as well. So I was fullback who didn't kick out. Um, and my last game, I said to the coach, oh, we're moving to McKinnon. I'm going to go join a team halfway through the year to get some friends before I go to high school. Um, he said, all right, um, how about you go play a different position? So I played center four and had the best, I still reckon the best game of my life. <laughs> I think it was better than the prelim. Dominated. Yeah, I, I, had, I had the ball on a string. And I remember the coach came up to my mum and dad afterwards and said, geez, we got that wrong, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my last game at Lange. Um And then moved to a place, a team called St. Paul's. Uh, in McKinnon and then finished off at Ormond for my – so I was three junior clubs. And who did you support in the AFL? I was Richmond. Richmond. And who who was your man? Uh, Clinton King. Clinton King? Yeah. And then changed – Richard was always sort of top five. Clinton King? Yeah, Clinton King. Is a rather obscure hero to have. Kick, kicked around corners. So oh. I used to always try and do that, which was a bad uh, habit to have. No, <laughs> I was – a bit obscure would be the word. Yeah. Um, Greg Tivendale, Chris Hyde, um, Luke, Luke McGuan – who actually I ended up playing against because he was a little... <laughs> you've, gone, you've gone the obscure, haven't yeah, you? Luke McGuan I found on MySpace um, and I put him in my top eight best friends. So <laughs> McGuan was in there. <laughs> um, so I did love, I love Richmond, but like the rest of my family didn't really like footy. We all went for a different team. We we're one of those families. Obviously coming from New Zealand, there's no big... I think dad went to Hawthorne because he worked there. Uh, Mum went for St Kilda, similar reason, because she worked there. Um, so yeah, and I was pretty happy to stop going for Richmond. We were a team that finished in the bottom eight a lot yeah, in that, in that era. Yeah. Um, and now looking back, if I hadn't have got drafted, I was a Richmond fan. I would have been 27, 28 and 29 for their three flags. I would have been on Swan Street having the best time of my life. You're the Melbourne Premiership yeah, captain. It's work. You actually got to play rather than get on the. Correct. Could you imagine the, Swan Street? True. At 26 true. years old. True. It's an unusual way of looking at it, Maxie, but yes, I can. I, I got can. a dusty haircut. <laughs> you would have <laughs> been With a dusty haircut. Would have been great. Number four on your back. Um, was it always footy or. Probably not, because obviously, as you said, you weren't, you weren't the most talented player. What else were you thinking about doing? Um, high school, I had a lot of volleyball. Volleyball? Yeah, and loved it. Um, something that I, 
almost thought was a bit of a passion, like could have followed. Um, hard thing to follow. Got to go to probably Europe, I dare yeah, say. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, that was it was a big school sport. So um, we went. To, I went to a public school that sport's not a massive thing. It's one of those ones where one day a term you go play all the other public schools. Yeah. Who, who's um, the most famous volleyballer in the world? Oh. Mm. So I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I, 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 I was assistant director. On yep. the Sydney 2000 Olympic volleyball coverage, yep. um, I didn't know a great deal about great it. Great sport to cover. Though. Great sport. Yeah. Very fast sport. Yeah. And then they had the, the, the is it the, the libero, the player that comes on and off? And, yeah, it's yeah, it gets a bit crazy. Anyway, I think you chose well not to go down. The fact that you couldn't tell me who the best volleyball in the world is, and I don't That's think side, yeah. they're earning a great deal of cash. Um, so as other things, we and I then, think... I mean, football was the mainstay. I played a lot of other sports. We actually... My high school, we won three state championships in a row for boys netball. And that actually looked like a possible avenue for me at the end of year 11. You would have been unstoppable. Well, we, I, so I was tall, but I was a wing attack. Wing we had, attack? We had taller people. In well, the, you weren't shooter or attack. We had a taller person at shooter and a taller person at goalkeeper. No wonder you won three titles, man. Jack and Sam Frost. Right. Their wing defense and goal defense. Really? We had a, we had a good team. Yeah, our center was tall. Boys netball, the one thing, we're going way off topic. But boys, That's okay. Completely different sports, boys and girls netball. In what way? Girls netball is crafty, um, beautiful to watch. Like, it's an actual sport. Boys netball is just hell for leather. Like, throw the ball as quickly as possible. Do, do they wish my, – my daughter's quite into netball, so I watch a lot of netball. It's it's a very, what we would say in footy, a Tiggy Touchwood game. Yep. A lot of umpiring involvement. Do they, do they put the whistle away in men's But it's an advantage, though. So, like, yes. you never really put – it's not stop play. No, true. Which is one thing I do like about true. netball. Um, so, no, the answer is, apart from a couple of school sports I got involved in, um, football was always. And so you ended up playing... In fact, basketball, which was the one that everyone was pushing me towards because of my height. Yeah. Uh, there was just an embarrassing moment that stopped me from following basketball. This so show I, loves embarrassing moments. I tried out for the rep side, the Sabres. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know anyone and uh, Sandy Sabres and all the people who made the team, they were calling them out, went to the left yep. and all the people went to the right and I didn't hear my name so I just walked to the left and then the coach came and got Presumed. me Presumed. The coach came and got me and said, oh no, Max, you're on the right and I went to the right and I actually <laughs> went to the right basketball court, kept walking, went out the alley and went back in the car <laughs> and didn't play game basketball again. Um, so uh, you played TAC Cup. Did, did you think, at, at what point, or as soon as you entered it, are you thinking, this is what I could do? I could get drafted and become an AFL footballer. Were, were you in of that level? Well, once I left Lange after that infamous game yeah. and went and played for St. Paul's, I then won three best and fairest in a row at St. Paul's. So you stuck in the right spot down so there at St. Paul's. I think I rucked, to be fair. Okay. But I wasn't um, a best and fairest player at Lange. Like, I wasn't one of the top players. And then... So I started to realise, okay, I'm, I'm not bad at footy. Did natural talent start to come through or did you have some work ethic? Uh, I like to think work, work ethic, but probably natural talent okay. a little bit as well. Um, and, yeah, so St. Paul's, um, because I'm moving areas, I don't think I was in the eye of any regional team. Yeah, okay. Um, so I didn't get to Dragons till um, halfway through my bottom age year at under-18 level. 
most people were there from under 12s, 14s, 16s. You see photos of like Petraka, Oliver and Took Miller were all in the same under 11 Australian team. I've like, never seen you in those photos. Yeah, I'm, I, I wasn't there. That's why. Right. I, but you're um, not a conventional <laughs> pathway man, Maxie. Yes. You're I, not a conventional man. I um, Halfway through my under 17s year, I, I we had an 18th, uh, a 17th birthday the night before a junior football game. Um, and we had a couple of drinks for that uh, guy's 17th birthday and we had to play footy the next day and I played the best game of my life after a couple of beers and the Dragons representative was there. Oh. And he said, uh, the next week, I got a call during the week, uh, all the private school boys were out playing private school footy so Sandy needed to field a team somehow and they didn't have a ruck so I said, do you want to come down and try? And um, yeah, the rest is history with Dragons-wise. I managed to play Dragons, I think, for the rest of that year. Um, did my knee in the next year but... Um, yeah, I was a long way from being a AFL footballer at year 11. So what number did you get drafted to Melbourne? Uh, 32 or 4, 4, 2. Right, so you, work, yeah. you walk into Melbourne, it always fascinates me this because we now see the finished product um, and a lot of us don't remember back to what the non-finished product. How old were you when you walked in the doors of Melbourne? Uh, 17. And was that at, was that at Junction? Uh, Casey, Casey. we were still at Junction. Okay. But the first day I walked in was technically Casey. Tell me about your first day as a professional athlete. It's, an, it's actually a great story. So first of all, household names, Scully, Trengrove, Gisbert's, Tapscott, four guys in the top 20. Yeah. Um, and then myself and Jack Fitzpatrick at 34 and 50. So we had a, a really, really good draft. Big Jackie Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So he's your competition from day one. Yeah, and we had, like, look at rucks on AFL list at the moment. There's three at most, four in some teams. We had seven. Uh, we had Jamar, Paul Johnson, John Meeson, Jake Spencer, Steph Martin, myself and Jack Fitzpatrick. And you're playing one, maybe two. Yeah. So, so for people that don't understand the game, uh, Max is like the wicketkeeper. There's really only a spot for one of you in the team. Yeah. And then uh, we tried to play two wicketkeepers this year, but um, it didn't work at times. Uh, <laughs> it still going, might work. I'm you not going know. into that. It um, might. It might. Uh, so I was... Bottom of the pecking order. I had a knee reco as well, so Fitzy's probably gone above me. But day one, um, Jim Steins, there's two stories, one really good story and one quite funny story about where the club was probably at. Um, but Jim Steins did like a big welcome to parents. Uh, there was about 100 people in the room, parents, staff, admin staff. Um, and you just think that they're going to talk about Scully and Trengo. We've got to pick one and two. Like that's, I don't think that's ever happened for most other clubs, one and two in the no, same draft. extraordinary. Um, and Steins, he made me stand up in front of everyone and goes, I don't care about the other people in the room. I, I think this guy, he made me stand up. It was really embarrassing. And he goes, you're going to do things differently. And it's got me excited. My like, he hasn't even met me. and He knows I'm going to do things differently. Just, just I must have I probably had a pretty goofy look. And, I was going to say, what were you wearing? I, yeah, I, dare, I dare say I would have stood out. Um, and then throughout my first couple of years when I was having all sorts of issues with professionalism and, um, trying to find out the person I wanted to be. He was like this mentor behind me going, it's okay, just be you, just be you. And then you look at what he did with Reach and you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Like I wasn't necessarily an underprivileged kid, but I certainly was someone um, that needed guidance. So that was that was day one in Steins. The other one was um, in pre-season, you get set into like pre-season teams and there was teams of eight with each leader. So each leader had a team of eight. And the day we got there, they're already halfway through pre-season. I think they started in October that year. Was their skit dance day. And we've walked in <laughs> during their skit dance. And the first thing I saw of James McDonald was his asshole. He, <laughs> part of his skit was to bend over and moon the crowd. 
and I think he was wearing a mask or is something. He, is so he the captain? Yeah, he's the captain. He was, <laughs> Come on. He was wearing a mask, so I didn't even didn't even know James McDonald. Like, oh, that, that's uh, that's the skipper. Oh, that's a good look. Um, so yeah, it was uh, that was it was skit day. Um, so we got a good look at the the funny side of the. So how far off? Looking back now, um, and, and you see the kids that come into the club now, and I'm sure it's very different. How far off AFL standard and training standards were you when you walked in the door? Uh, I was a long way off. The thing I had good the, was when the siren went, I had a crack. Um, so I always had that bit. I always worked hard so the in game and around time. the game. Yep. Yep. And I really enjoyed training. So that's two good bits of your life. But the bits outside of that – um, they they just weren't for me. I just didn't. So really, what are the bits outside? Well, punctuality definitely. Um, How I, often were we late? I was late nine times in my first year, which looking back, <laughs> I haven't been I haven't been late since until today. I was late rocking up today, and you now you're like, now you're going. Oh, it all starts to make sense. Yeah, doesn't it? it does because <laughs> you were fifteen late <laughs> nine times. Yeah, I haven't been late does, since. Do people pull you up for that type of thing in a professional environment? Cam Bruce did it a lot. Right. Um, in fact, all 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 the leaders did. Um, Obviously, um, I wasn't a full-time smoker, but that story of me having a dart, that sort of gives you, if you're not a full-time smoker, but you're having a dart on the way to training, obviously you've got some sort of professionalism issue about- So this is on the way to training, you're having a quiet one. Yeah, I'll set the scene because there would be people that haven't heard the story. 98% of Australia have heard it. Tell me the story. There'll be 2% listening. Um, uh, This is January, so I'm three months in. I haven't trained yet because I've had a knee rico, so no one's seen anything of me. Um, and uh, it was a hot day. It was like 35 degrees. So going down a Monash freeway to Casey, I'm thinking I'm going to be the only person on the road for some reason. Actually, this is me. I didn't care if someone saw me. I wasn't even thinking it was a bad thing. Okay. So if someone saw me, I'm like, is that that bad? Um, and I lit up a dart on the Monash freeway. Um, and Carl Cheney saw me. Uh, he was driving to training as well. Drove past me. He reckons he was tooting and waving at me, and I didn't see him at all. So imagine what he's looking at, because you're thinking, oh, he would have just quickly hit the dart, but I didn't see him, so I'm probably just... <laughs> Full Fidel Castro all, style. All four windows down on the Monash freeway. Smoke pouring out. <laughs> um, that was a miss. Um, and then I remember getting to the club, and I didn't get told, uh, I didn't get in trouble for a week and a half. So, so did you know that anyone everyone knew? Everyone knew for a week and a half. Did you they, know that they knew? Well, I didn't have any friends anyway because I was this weird, different kid in right. the back corner who hadn't trained yet and earned respect. Back in the day, it was all about earning your stripes. and um, So not many people spoke to me anyway, so I wasn't too worried about that. Uh, but then I had uh, Jared Rivers was my leader at the time, and he said, oh, can we catch up with you after, after, after training? Just want to talk for you a few things. Well, yeah, no worries. And I've, again, unprofessional Max, I don't think I've done anything wrong. And there's a semicircle. We had nine leaders. Semicircle, and I'm in the middle. Um, oh, it's a full interrogation. Yeah, full interrogation. Oh, and I can't remember if it was Brett Maloney or Brad Miller that started it. Um, they were the two main talkers. Um, and they said, are oh, you doing whatever it takes? Which is Jim Stein's quote, whatever it takes. Um, so it was all over our walls to be the best Melbourne player you can. I go, yeah, that set me up for beauty, didn't they? I'm like, yeah, I think I am. Like, obviously a bit hard not training, but I'm trying my best to get my knee right. I go, oh, okay. So you weren't having a dart? The other day? And I said no. I initially said no. Oh, you lied! I, I said no. <laughs> and then, was that just a natural response? Yeah. No, it wasn't me. I said, well, Bernie Vince has told me one thing, is deny, deny, deny. <laughs> and then <laughs> and lie, then, lie, lie. And then when caught, deny. <laughs> um, so I said no, and then they doubled down and said, oh, are you calling Kyle a liar? 
Uh, oh, so they named Kyle. Oh, uh, maybe not. I can't right. remember. And I said, oh, that, that dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had that. And then I threw my mum and dad on the bus. I said, oh, look, I'll find a hard. My mum and dad are full-time smokers. Oh, you dropped they've, your mum. Who's your hero they've, into they've, it? They've, they've never had a dad in their life. <laughs> <laughs> but then Brett Maloney said, oh, my family have cigarettes and I don't have that problem. Well, okay, so I'm in a real rabbit hole here and I've, I've climbed in it myself. Um, but So that just gives you a, a bit okay. of a... Um, what it has done is 14 years later as captain, I now understand everyone's coming from a completely different upbringing. Um, we have private school, public school. We have low economic, high economic. We have um, people from, like I've met Liam Jarrah from Yundamu, yeah. Braden Proust from the top of Cairns, Townsville, Colin Gala from the bottom of Tasmania. So people are coming from everywhere. Um, it just gives me a broader understanding of um, how people are trying to settle and how different people can be. And if we want immediate success, if I look back and someone said, I don't want you to be Aaron Sandilands, I want you to be Max Gorn from day one, I probably would have flourished a lot earlier than what I did. So you look at Jake Bowie, comes in seven games, wins a flag in his first year. Didn't lose a game. I feel like if we didn't have the culture that we have now, Jake Bowie's probably not given us that right um so he's allowed to be himself and i feel like every first year player comes in and they can just be themselves which is such a great place to be so who, who were you trying to be from a football point of view i was, I was getting pushed to be aaron sandalands um similar height um i wasn't the weight and i was nowhere near the weight um and i was stacking on kilos just for fun to try and get to aaron sandalands weight protein shake territory yeah everything was compared to him a lot of vision on him um to be fair unbelievable player yes um, but it's not me. Like I, I, I'm a runner. Sandlands is a runner as well, but the weight that I had, I didn't feel comfortable running. Um, and I wanted to be a runner. I wanted to be someone who could run during the game. Um, and I then threw big second on weight and became a bad runner and I got anxiety around running and running's a passion for mine. I like to go for a 10 K run now. But during those first four years, I was scared of running. Well, like how was, does that anxiety manifest? Well, it, it come from getting something that I was good at to then becoming bad at and then getting towed up in game because of that. Okay. Matthew Cruiser gave me one of the all-time hidings one day from purely gut running. Oh, he just, well, the tractor, he just kept just rolling. But it was something it? that I enjoyed. Okay. I'm like, okay. And I'm, you lost that by putting I'm way off here. So from a football point of view, I felt like I was not trying to be Max. Um, AFL's hard. And if you're trying to be someone other than yourself, it's even harder. Mm. Um, and then from a social point of view, I feel like I wasn't being myself. I don't think I was um, – partly I was an introvert at that point. I still have introverted moments that um, can be perceived as an, extra, an extrovert at times, but I was certainly an introvert in my first two years. Um, so I could have come out of my shell a lot earlier, um, but I, I, I feel like what was the place, the surroundings I was at made it hard for me to come out of my shell. And therefore, I wasn't being the best version of me day to day as well. Well, we'll circle around to that because you said when Jim introduced you, um, he said, this guy, I think he can be something different. He's going to do things his own way. So tell me about the influence Jim had on you. I I noticed in your first game, we'll get to you wore, was it 37? Which I didn't realise was the number Jim wore in his first game. Yep. Um, I was was getting worried for a bit there because Jack Fitzpatrick got 48 and I hadn't been given a number yet. You thought you were going to be Brent Brown 50. I thought I was getting 49. Right. And it's a big a, number, isn't it? There was a 49 locker at Junction, and that's where I was told to set up for a bit. There's not many great players that no. have ever worn the 49. No, I can't. Uh, I hate to sell one short, but I can't think of one right, right now. Neither can I. A um, few 50s. Yeah, big Brenny Brown. Um, 
so I was a little bit worried about what number I was going to get. And then they moved Matthew Warnock out of 37 so I could get 37. Huh. So then I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they do. Maybe they do like me. Um, not a massive number. Better than 49, though. Um, it was goodsies. So there is yeah, a true. genuinely that's good true. player currently wearing it um, in, the, in, in the AFL. But um, then I realized it was the Steins and Steins, he worked pretty hard. He wanted me to be in his number. He wanted, he wanted full ownership of trying to get me to where he wanted me to get to. Um, so, yeah, my, my first game um, got presented 37. Uh, three days earlier than the game day because Steinsy had surgery or one of his therapies on game day and couldn't make it. Um, so he came down and there's vision of it. He's got patches on his head. Um, mm. He was really, really skinny. And he came down to Casey um, to present me the jumper and it was just a, a magical moment. Um, one that, I mean, now I've got number 11 as well and that was, I was always going to, there was a little patch there where I didn't think I was going to get 11 because Mitch Clark came and got it. Uh, there was a... Oh. Paul Johnson had it and I sort of went for it as a six gamer, try and get number 11. That's a pretty hard thing to get. And then Mitch Clark came in the last hour and sort of trumped me. I'm like, yeah, it's probably fair enough. Mitch Clark can have it. Um, And then Mitch Clark left and I managed to get 11 eventually. And um, it always, I look at my jumper before I put it on, before every game. Um, I'm not too sentimental with that sort of things, but I look at it and go, yeah, footy's footy's nothing. Like this guy battled a fair bit. Um, and what he was able to do um, from off the football field um, and also on. He, I didn't get to watch much gym stuff. Like I've watched a few highlights here and there. I've heard some great stories from a lot of Melbourne supporters. I didn't get to watch too much. But to play 240 games in a row, those broken legs in there for some of those games it's and remarkable. to revolutionise the ruck roll into almost a follower. Um, yeah, so to be able to have those two numbers is... It's pretty special. Handle the question any way you want, but how did his passing affect you? I didn't realise what Jim was doing for me until after Jim passed away. Wow. Um, so the actual passing was like um, thousands of people at a state funeral <laughs> in the city. What's the church opposite Flinders Street? The St. Paul's. St. Paul's. Um, we're wearing our Melbourne blazer. We look ridiculous. Um, and... It was just a lot going on. Um, I wasn't in the, in the team. Um, so the round one game was obviously very special. Um, so, but now I look back and I'm, I'm not sad. I'm so pleased I got to meet him. Um, I've got some regrets in life that aren't my fault. And two of them are I didn't get to meet Jim before he was sick and I didn't get to meet Neil before he was sick. They're both incredible people now and um, I've got a great close relationship with Neil um, and I've got, I had a great relationship with Jim but I, I got to meet Sick Jim and Sick Jim was a wonderful person. So you can only imagine what he could have done mm. when he had his full self to give. What did you mean that you didn't realise till he was no longer there what he had done for you? I was a 19, 20-year-old kid and there's bits, like I talk about how much he did for me but at the time, geez, can this president just leave me alone? Right. So it's it's got a bit of that feel. Okay. Like he's constantly texting me and yep. all good, mate. I see you didn't play too well today. Keep your head up. Like looking back on, I'm like, what a guy. Like that. Subconsciously, I'm probably getting so much from it. But I'm a tough 19 year old that doesn't need any help. Mm. Um. So, but now looking back, yeah, obviously he made me so comfortable to be the person I was when I'm working out if I want to be this person or that person and how hard it was to 
football club is the hardest person to grow up from a kid to an adult your your way. Um, and and Jim made that possible. Um, so, yeah, a lot of regrets in the first couple of years after him passing going, geez, I wish I called him back that time I had that missed call. Or I'm sure that happens with a lot of people that, that experience grief. But um, it was certainly one thing I'm like, geez, I'm missing that text now. I, w- mm. I really wish I got that text now. So um, I kind of wish I did things differently, but you can't live like that. You mentioned Neil. Um, we, we've seen famously over the last five, six, seven years, um, especially on uh, Queen's birthday when he's come in and spoke to the group. And obviously as um, the illness has taken a greater hold of him, it's been harder and harder for him to enunciate himself. What's What's your memory from any of that time, a specific time or a general thought about when he's come in and he's addressed the playing group? Because we see the video outside and you're like, oh my gosh. And I always think to myself, wow, I wonder what that was like in the room at the time. You've been privileged to be in the room numerous times. Yeah, well, every time. It's too late for me. It's a beast of a disease because there's no treatment and there's no cure. It kills you out by slowly paralysing you. It might get me, but I'm a fighter. Live with hope. Have a strong vision where you're going. My vision, close off is the world without MND. I'll get there. I might be six foot under, but we'll get there. Thanks for listening. It's, to, again, something I look back, like the, the premiership is very special, but to be able to play in... Um, I think it's big phrase nine, could be eight, um, to be able to play in all the ones that um, Neil was able to present the trophy to and whatnot. Like it's a very special thing um, to be involved in. Um, I got a little bit of early Neil in this diagnosis and he was still, he still is his bubbly self now, but um, we got to chew the fat every now and then and he took a liking to me. He must be in the over 60 category, I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, um, but he did, he, he did take a liking to me. Um, I'm not sure how, how old he is actually, but, um, we've had some, I had a really nice moment of the former, a former president's house, Don McClarty. Um, we went back to, went to Serena pub. I was with his sons that were around my age. Um, we went back to Don's for a couple of beers and there's Don and Neil just having a beer by the campfire. So it was about nine of us that joined the circle. Um, and we played a song, played a, the, the, the song game, which is where you put nine, each of us put a song on a playlist. You play the playlist, you've got to guess whose song. Oh, I, I haven't heard of that. It's a what? great game. And there's some classics getting played. Um, and all of a sudden, Happy comes on. And no one knows, like, you're just presuming one of the 18-year-olds in the room have picked it or something like that. And there's Neil just bobbing away. He's not saying, he, I don't think he was talking at that point. And he was just bobbing away and you go, it's, 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 it's Neil. It's Neil. And he, he wrote down, he said, this song just makes him so happy. <laughs> and we're sitting there at, at midnight uh, after a pretty solid day at the pub um, around the campfire, having one of the best moments of my life. I look back on that. I'm like, that's, I'm so grateful I got to experience that moment. Um, I've had a lot of moments since. Um, I know we'll probably talk about the 21 flag, but one of my biggest re- regrets, again, not a regret, uh, probably the w- poor word, but... I would have loved to see Neil after I won the flag. Um, there's a lot of other people I'd have loved to see, and I'll get into that answer when you actually ask it. But imagine if I just got to see – we had Neil all over our walls before the game. There was posters everywhere from quotes that he's been saying in the last nine big freezers. 
Um, and he got us through that game. I use it in my captain speech um, before the game. Um, and it was truly one of the greatest moments of my life that I would have loved to share share with him. But yeah, I, I, I didn't get to meet well Neil, health, healthier, healthy Neil. Um, some of the past players said, lucky you. Yeah, um, apparently, fiery. Apparently he's, apparently he's a bit of a prick of a coach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now he's a beautiful man. That is the end of Max Gorn Part A. Melbourne fans, the Premiership that's coming next.